Welcome to episode 10 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder, senior editor of FivePointMove.com. And with me for episode 10 is two-time junior world medalist, two-time world team member, 2012 Olympian, Ellis Coleman. Ellis, thanks for joining the program tonight. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Your year, I mean, I just want to jump right into it. Your year... I mean, as a, on the whole, if you were to look at it, you know, as objectively as possible, um, do you see it making your second world team? Do you see it as a success or do you, due to how things shook out in August and then actually subsequently a, a, a month later, or do you see it as a disappointment? Um. A little bit of both, but I'm I'm always optimistic uh, about everything. Um, I think uh, more so success because um, just trying to be resilient, you know. Um, coming back I, I, after all these years, you know, and having my ups and downs, and coming back after uh, injuries and surgeries, six surgeries, um, big surgeries too. Um, being able to, you know, catapult myself right back to the top and and keep moving forward, uh, leaving off work. Right where I started, um, you know, I feel good about that. I didn't get a medal, but you know, I, I think that uh, I, I put it all out there, and um, you know, I, there's definitely room for for improvement. But that year, you know, I showed myself, you know, that I'm capable of being the person that I was before, and that I'm capable of, um, you know, still competing on the world stage and taking care of business when I need to. So, I think. Uh, it was a good year, you know, for me to just be able to get back in the, in the mix and shake things up and uh, put myself back at the top and, um, you know, to solidify myself as a good wrestler and uh, a good start point now, you know, to, to advance forward and, and finally uh, pick up what, what I've been dreaming to pick up. Well, you know, when I think about your, I mean, you know, if I think about the calendar year 2017 at least, I mean, going back further, it, I think it, I think the, it's even more striking because Olympic trials, Olympic trials, I think, uh, you know, I think that was kind of like an odd, it was, I mean, it was an odd tournament for a lot of guys, but it, it was, it was kind of odd. I mean, you had, you know, you and Ravon in the semifinals, uh, everybody in the country who's familiar with the both of you, I think, um, watch that match with a lot of tension then it, that match doesn't go your way alex sancho who you know was a trials finalist uh the year before you lose to him in the bronze medal match national team match you know what uh seven months later you and him go to battle again in the semifinals of the non-Olympic weight world team trials, Bill Farrell Memorial uh, in New York City. And then a month after that, you and Sancho have uh, another, like, just grueling, tightly contested final. But you came out on top. Okay? Now, right there... You know, anybody who knows you, knows your career, is watching that going, okay, well, you know, Ellis is starting to come around a little bit more. He's starting to come around a little bit more. starting to come around a little bit more. But for me, 
uh, for me, and I, you know, obviously you and I have talked about this before on the record, but for me, it was Thor Masters, uh, without a doubt. Uh, Thor Masters really, to be honest, I think was the most you version of yourself, I, I, at least I've seen in several years. Uh, if you would, you know, pick up on how you felt that Thor Masters, what the, what, what you defined to have been the major difference at that event, because it was there where it was like you were, like it was like in a flourish, like you were rejuvenated. Just, I mean, the, your, your, first off, your movement, which is a big part of who you are. And how, I mean, it's almost like you're a boxer out there sometimes, the way you like are th- practically throwing feints and cutting angles to the side. It's, you're not just, you know, bulldogging yourself in like so many other guys. It's just like that physical creativity that used to be your calling card. I, I think that tournament is where i saw everything sort of return at once right um i i agree with you on that um it was nice just uh i think the big thing is um getting overseas and you know having fun and having that feel again being able to listen to my music and being in that environment again and thinking about the past you know when i was at my junior tournaments or whatnot same thing enjoying myself and then um that being a big tournament to step up and kind of put myself and know where I'm at because um, it's overseas, you know, it's not, there's not as much pressure. It's not, it's not a U.S. tournament. You know, I'm not looking to be number one. I'm not competing against the guys that I'm be competing against to make the world team, you know? So I can, I was more at ease during the tournament and um, good thing it was earlier in the year too, you know? So like I was able to, to just let myself go and let loose and just go out there and, and have fun. It's that simple. It's like, I mean, is it like you turned a switch, so to speak? I mean, is is that kind of what you're saying? Because it just was. I, I mean, I I'm not this sound. I mean, at Armed Forces, you went three and zero. Two of your opponents on that day are not were not full time athletes, but I remember walking to the. Uh, I remember walking. Well, we got escorted uh, by. Um, uh, an Air Force technical sergeant because uh, you can't, you know, go to and fro on base, uh, I guess, without that. But I remember we were leaving the uh, the gym after the Armed Forces Championships, and I was saying to our photographer, I was just like, you know, do you, do you see Coleman? You know, do you see how, like he was like just like a a freight train, just like completely forward, like it was just like, you know, and Maybe you you don't kind of measure the competition so much as you look at the physical performance, which is, you know, I think the best you can kind of do uh, f- with some of those matchups. But Thor Masters was the next week, so it was almost like a portent of things to come. Right, uh, I agree. Um, I do. Me- I, I try to measure myself, and um, I think that uh, you know everybody's like their their own biggest critic, and. Um, you know, despite the competition not being as high level as it is, it's um that's one of those competitions that's a good competition to to bounce back. Um, you know, to go out there and and, and hit your moves and wrestle your style and uh, you know, critique yourself and measure yourself with everybody else in the US and um it's a good ego builder and um 
go out there and crush everybody or go out there and do what you got to do despite whoever it is that you're wrestling. And, um, you know, knowing to yourself that, that, that you just crushed everybody that you wrestled and boosting your own ego, boosting yourself up and make, boosting your self-esteem and making yourself feel good about yourself, you know. And um, that was good, you know, for me heading into an international competition the next week. And um, I think it really helped. Well, yeah, and plus, you know, it's not you. I mean, once again, you didn't just go four and zero with Thor Masters. Your last, your your last bout of the day was against the Lithuanian as Garis Vincatis, a bronze medalist. Um, he had, I think, he def- when did he? When did you and him first meet? What at the Kirby Cup? Yeah, uh, Kirby Cup. Right. I mean, that was. I mean, that was a tight match. Um, 2016, he's the one who uh, turned back Ray Vaughn, uh, I think, uh, for True Third in Mongolia. That would have qualified 66 and Ray Vaughn for Rio. Correct. And all of a sudden, you and him and Thor Masters. And that was, I mean, it, I, I wouldn't go ahead and define it as a, a brawl. I mean, and, and you know, that's kind of his deal. Vincatus, I mean, he's, uh, I, I don't know, There's, I, I don't really have a positive uh, adjective to kind of punch in here, but, um, you know, he's extremely aggressive, he's dirty, uh, he has, uh, you know, the kind of temper that he just, you know, cannot seem to harness, it gets the better of him a lot of times, and you were frustrating him all around the mat. Um, he just couldn't, he just couldn't get, he couldn't get to underhooks. He was starting to lead with his head. He's, you know, like, you know, being a, a kind of like a, you know, he's just kind of wrestling like a, like a brat, you know, like a, like a baby, just, just like he was completely off his game and you won the match, but unfortunately, uh, towards the end of the match he you know torqued your shoulder on purpose um what was your immediate takeaway i mean i first off i would have imagined that wins a conference booster but also you know your shoulder is all of a sudden aching uh you know six weeks or so uh out of the world team trials right um I was more angry uh, towards the end of the match, um, and you know, coming out walking off the mat with uh, with him doing that to my shoulder, and I was thinking about um, you know world team trials and thinking about future competitions because uh, my show I was in a lot of pain, and I just wanted to make sure that I was good. But you know, afterwards, after getting back home and getting checked out and stuff, and you know, I found out that it was partially torn, but I could rehab and I'll be all right eventually. You know, looking at the match and watching it, you know. That also, you know, helped me, you know, solidify myself in my mind, you know, that that I'm still, you know, top competition in the world, and that I still can compete and um and go out there and do what I have to do. And so, um, you know, I watched the match a bunch, and it was good to see myself, you know, move the way that I was moving, you know, uh, cutting angles and standing on my toes, moving around in and out, in and out, and um, it was, you know, you get so caught up in wrestling, you know, sometimes battling, sometimes and changing your style up because you wrestle so many different people with so many different styles all the time. You have to figure out ways to beat every single person. So you get caught up in different styles and caught up in, in a mindset of brawling sometimes and a mindset of scoring sometimes and not 
fighting and brawling enough and then it was just a great feeling and and, and just watching watching myself do that you know on the outside was like man you know like I still got it. I, I'm I'm still here. I'm still there. I mean, there's some things that I need to improve on, obviously. But if I take that to the mat every single time, you know, I mean, why can't I get a medal? Why can't I be a winner? And um, even now, to this day, when I think about that match in my mind, there's just some feeling I had, you know, during that tournament. I was so at ease, so relaxed, but I felt so good. I mean, so I can think about millions of matches where I wrestled and I'm in my mind and thinking that I'm tired and put more stress on myself and then I think about that match, you know, and um that's probably the biggest match I can think about, you know, in my career where I felt like I was actually in my mind the whole match. Um not in a bad way, but in a good way, you know, aware of everything that was going on, aware of my movements, aware of his movements, you know, because sometimes you just get tunnel vision in matches and you just want to just go, 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 go. And um, you know, sometimes it's good to be a little bit slick and uh and dance a little bit and um I was able to do that, and I was able to be aware of the whole situation in that match. And you know, I, I want to—I look forward to to having that feeling again and taking that with me in future matches. Is that a line that you have to walk a lot of times? Because you know, we see it in the U.S. The U.S. has a a different kind of uh, style than what we see in Europe, right? So, in the U.S., it's obviously a, a more grinding. A more um, physical, more charged up, but a lot of times also ultimately uh, a pommel fest. Um, whereas overseas is a little bit more technically driven. So, how do you reconcile the styles? Uh, I mean, do you have different approaches all the time, depending on where you are? I mean, like when if you're going in a domestic event. Are you like on the you know the you know morning of? Are you like okay like uh, you know I'm gonna you know whatever I'm I'm just gonna battle I'm just gonna battle. Whereas if you're somewhere like Thor Masters or you know whatever Zagreb Hungary, um, where you're interested in being a little bit more fluid, a little bit more creative. Like I mean, do you go through these kinds of things in your head? Like these kinds of you know, tactics, these kinds of strategies, or do you just let the match develop? Uh, before competitions, I kind of have those scenarios in my mind, but once the match goes on, it's more like it's always a brawl. It's always a dog fight. And um, that's why, uh, you know, trying to find that awareness in the middle of a match is, is good or during, before a match, you know, being able to be aware like that is, is always really good for me because um, I'll be able to score more. And, um, you know, I try to sum it up every single year at the end of the year, you know, before I go on to the next year. Like now, I, I think about the previous year and what I was good at and um, what I'm going to work on at most competitions this year, you know, what I need to work on, at least for the beginning of the year, for the competitions that don't mean as much and don't count as much. And um, this year, you know, um, you know, I know that I can brawl. I know I can wrestle hard. I have good condition. Good cardio. I know that um, you know, I can get passivity calls. So you know, I told myself that you know this year I, I want to work on scoring more. You know, I, I don't I don't want to fall back on the passivity thing. Um, you know, I don't want to get too stuck on the passivity thing and brawling all the time. When I I mean I know I can fall back on that. I know that that's there. You know, I know I'm good at that. I solidified that I'm good at that. I mean, I've been brawling and 
is wrestling hard for you know for years now. So it's time to start um, shaking things up and um, you know trying to score and, and being more fluent and graceful now. And so uh, this year, you know, already you know I've been working on in practice and training. I've been working on scoring more and you know pulling a bag of tricks out out the hat and um, trying to see what I what what, I, what my capabilities are, what my abilities are. You know what what I'm good at, what positions I can score from and um, I can benefit from. And so once I throw that in there and I, a few takedowns and a, a few big moves that I can catch people off of, you know, then, I mean, then I can, you know, over make myself a better well-rounded wrestler and uh, uh, have better chances, you know, in, uh, in my matches overseas and the big ones that count, you know, at the big competitions. And so I know last year was a lot of brawling, you know, I mean, I'm going to look at my, Sancho, you know, short, close matches, you know, and look at the matches before that, you know, they're all brawls. And so now, you know, it's, it's, it's working on scoring and getting people to open up and uh, trying to take away from that little brawl mentality for right now. You know, if I need to go back to it, I can do it. You know, I've been doing it all these years, but, you know, let's, let's try to put, put both of those together and make myself a little bit more dangerous. Well, getting back to Sancho for a sec, obviously you and him collided in the, best of three finals at the world team trials. Um, you know, you, I'm sure you knew that you were probably going to have to strap it in that day. Uh, was there anything different or anything, uh, you know, not to sound trite, but any, anything surprising about those, the way those three matches kind of unfolded? Um, no, I think, uh, when I lost the second match, it was a little surprising. Now in my mind, I was like thinking like, I couldn't understand how I lost, you know, because I was wrestling really hard. And I told myself, man, I just wrestled. I mean, I wrestled hard. I did everything I could. Um, how, why couldn't I pick up those calls, you know? But, you know, coach came over to me and he said, do the exact same thing you did last match. Don't worry about anything. Don't think too much. Do the exact same thing. And so, I mean, I went out and did the exact same thing and, uh, and then I'm playing out on my side. But, um, you know, I knew that, Going into that it was going to be a brawl, you know, that it was going to be, you know, that he's capable of scoring points, you know. So whatever points he scores, you know, I'm going to have to double that in pace, you know, because uh, he's a – Sancho's a world the wrestler, you know. He's really good. Um, first thing I focus on is uh, take away his points, and then second thing, you know, get my – break him down and try to score my points. And, um, you know, I tried that in all the ma- in, my, in our matches, and, you know, it ended up working out pretty well. After the World Team Trials, which I think uh, your day was uh, – was your day like the 28th or 29th? I don't remember um, at this point anyway. Uh, the next time you got out there was Tbilisi. Um Tbilisi, you went uh, one and two. Um, you won. Uh, I think you beat the Armenian in your first match. Um, and then in the second match, you had uh, the same guy that Sancho lost to in the finals, uh, Kalinov from Kazakhstan. And that was... Uh, that was just, I mean, look, that's the kind of thing that's going to happen overseas. And given how I think, you know, 
I think the U.S. team was largely, I mean, obviously you get on the mat, you want to win. But at the same time, you guys are in the middle of uh, world team training camp, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, maybe you don't minimize and say it's a warm-up tournament, but, it, you know, the proverbial chips weren't in the middle of the table either. But you lost that match one and nothing, and it was, it, I mean, not to sound completely biased, but that was nonsense. Uh just, I mean, utter nonsense, uh, especially the last uh, 35, 40 seconds of that bout were just, you know, the most frustrating 45 seconds to watch because, you know, he was basically on cruise control and, you know, blocking up a storm and, you know, you couldn't get a call to save your life. Um, but the match in the repa charge against uh, Georgia, I thought was actually... Even more, I, this is going to sound probably strange, but the match in the, the repercharge match against, uh, the Georgian, I think he had a, like a four nothing lead on you with. Yeah, arm throw out of bounds. There was just, yeah. And in the, in the second period, there's hardly any time left. And you like basically just, you know, completely ran him over uh a couple times i think he got fleeing calls if i'm not mistaken yep and it was like you just you just hit it and even though you lost and there there was i mean even even when that was happened there wasn't a ton of there wasn't a ton of time on your side anyway i actually came away from that bout equally as let's say encouraged as after you got done at Thormasters. Just because of how you exploded physically, uh, I mean, I don't know. Am I? Is that a reach? Like, you know, am I just like you know so over the top positive, or did you you feel the same way? Because it was just like, okay, you know what? Screw this, and then you just went after him. Yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, I just said screw it and went after him because I was down by so much already. But I mean. Um, you know, it's going back to what I was saying is um, me being able to fall back on that, on my brawling and my cardio and being able to pick those points up. And um, I remember after I lost with the Kazakh, coach was telling me, um, you know, the coaches were telling me, you know, open up more, try to score more points, you know. And so uh, in that match, I was trying to score and then I ended up getting, you know, four points. And, you know, I was able to fall back on my cardio and pick those points up, and that's what I was talking about, you know, uh, summing up the year and, and looking at all that. And so um, I know that I'm good at that, and I know I can get those points like that, you know. And that was the only time, if you look back um, after, you know, when I went on, on that roll after um, Armed Forces, you know, that was the only time, uh, maybe one more time after that, I think, I got scored on out of my own position. Those two – well, only two times that I got taken down actually in the match. Um, Bunker got a four pointer on me uh, at trials in the mat, you know. Yeah, and uh, those are the only times I got scored on ever takedown um, in a match. All my other matches, you know, for the rest of the year, passivity calls. In my world team, uh, world championship match, you know, I get cautioned too off the bat, you know, and pick up a couple passivity calls, you know, and lose a match. And so, uh, you know, I know that. I can keep people from scoring and I, and I know that I can push the pace and I can get passivity calls. So that's why it was such a big deal for me now um, to, to focus on uh, scoring points and figuring out a way to score because that's always going to be there. You know, that's what I'm good at. And so um, 
you know, that, that, that showed in that match. And, um, that's why, that's why I'm, I'm looking forward, you know, to this year to figuring out, you know, figure myself out as far as, uh, scoring. And a lot of people always say like, um, you know, all the time, even now to this day, talking Ray, uh, Ray, 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 Ray and, uh, Jesse and stuff, you know, get back to all you, I was, you know, scoring points and this and that, you know, cause I wrestle, you know, a little bit different now because, you know, pushing the pace and brawling, but, and I keep thinking in my mind, you know, a lot before getting back to the old me, getting back to the old me, but you know, it's, it's not even about getting back to the old me. It's about, you know, developing and getting better at, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm good at. And then, uh, you know, adding to it. And so, um, that, that, that's kind of what I'm trying to do this year. And that's what, that's what, uh, that's what the, the game plan this year, this year, uh, is this year, figuring out ways to score. And, um, you know, if I have to get those passivity calls, I'm going to get those calls. Well, one of the stories, um, aside from the fact that caution against Nemes, which was, um, insane. I mean, it was insane. You know, I, I, I get it. I, I mean, uh, you know, a, a, a terse warning. Um, they, they banged her for that, you know, right away. Um, I, 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 what can you say? You know, if it's funny in a way, if only because now it's caution and one, you know, yep. now it's caution yeah. and one. Um, but with how I mean, with how positive the vibe was entering Paris, was the loss to Nemes particularly devastating? Yeah, um, it was uh, because I mean I was on a on a at a high, you know, um, you know I was thinking, you know, I mean everybody obviously is thinking that they're going to go out there and get a medal, but you know I particularly was thinking, you know, there's another opportunity for me to, to shine, you know, another opportunity to go out there and, you know, do what I'm good at. And um, I remember walking off the mat, sitting down at the ed- edge of the mat and looking up at my coach and my coach, you know, he grabbed my head and he was like, you know, it's all right. And I remember just sitting there for a second and just thinking in my head, I wrestled as hard as I could, you know. I, I mean, if I if I didn't, then in my mind I did because I was exhausted after that match. And, um, I, um, I watched the match, uh, over and over and over and over and over again when I got back home and it, it wasn't even, you know, what I thought was happening in the match didn't happen. You know, I was thinking, you know, maybe, I mean, it was a good match, you know, but maybe I could have, you know, pushed it a little bit more 50, 50. But then when I watched the match, it was, I was pushing them all around. I was, you know, I was, clearly the more aggressive wrestler and going for a lot of moves. And I mean, I seen that, um, you know, that the calls were a little shady or whatnot, but thinking like that wasn't going to propel me, you know, for the next year. So, um, watch the match over and over. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, if I score points, if I got to take down or whatever, that changes the match, you know, that leaves, um, you know, less rooms for excuses. And that definitely, uh, you know, helps me on the, on the, I'm being a winner. And, um, I, uh, that's all, that's part of the reason why I, I, I want to score more points now and I want to, uh, figure out ways to score and open up more. And, um, I can watch that match a million times, you know, and, you know, I'm still going to feel the same way. 
and there's too many matches that just went like that, you know? So, I mean, in my mind, any match that I won, you know, the Sancho matches and, and the Kazakh match and, you know, the Georgia match, any of those matches could have went either way. Any of those matches could have went either way, um, depending on the cause. And um, I don't want, I, I'm tired of having matches like that. You know why I'm so tired? I'm so exhausted, you know? And I got to recover a lot, you know, take a break just to get ready for the next match. Instead, I have matches like that where, um, you know, it, it could it can go either way, and it's just so close, and I'm taking a toll of energy out of me just to be able uh, to win a match. And so that's kind of the reason why I want to uh, score points, you know, and uh, help myself out to uh, put myself in a better position to win, you know, the next matches that, that go on during, during the competition. And, you know, take it takes away from the rest making the decision and deciding the matches, and it takes away from these 50-50 matches that I keep having all year round. Now, you want to leave no doubt. It's like what I'm taking away from that. Exactly. You're not going to make an excuse. Um, I know you're not. But you were absolutely nowhere near full capacity heading into Paris, nor were you anywhere near full capacity heading into Lithuania for the SISM World Military Championships. Um, your body had started breaking down at some point during the middle of the training phase for the Paris World Championships. We covered this. Um, a lot of people still might not be... Uh, quite aware of what exactly transpired um if you would uh kind of go into it a little bit um you were experiencing uh what i mean what i gather were symptoms of celiac disease um how did this play into your mindset as paris approached uh what have you learned? How have you adjusted your body since um, getting this information? Um, yeah, it was it was tough. Um, uh, we had our camp, you know, our world team camp, and I probably practiced that whole entire time. It was probably two weeks, two and a half weeks. I probably practiced three times. Um, I tried to go through a bunch of trainings, a bunch of different practices, and um, I was dying. I was I was losing a lot of weight. I was I felt like I was cutting weight every single time I, I stepped on the mat, and um, I was able to push through it and you know and practice a few times, you know. So I mean, I got a couple positives out of that because I knew something was wrong. Um, and I kept telling the coaches I felt sick, something was wrong, something's wrong, you know. And they, they, you know, they, no one, no one could figure out what was wrong. They kept thinking I was overtrained. I knew I wasn't overtrained. I mean, there's been times where I, you know, I've done crazy training, ridiculous amount of training, you know, and I was fine. And um, they kept coming down to that. I was taking all these blood tests and all these exams, and no one could figure out what's going on. I kept celiac came out positive, um, C diff came out positive, and just I, I, they, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. So I kept taking blood tests and. Uh, it was kind of hard to get into a, a GI appointment. And so um, in my mind, our coach's mind, it's like, uh, you know, you got the world championships coming up. You just made a world team, you know? So, I mean, what do I do? Do I forfeit my, my world championship spot, you know, and go out, go, don't go out there and compete, you know, just to save face for myself? Or do I go out there, suck it up and be, you know, be the guy that I am, be, be a soldier, be a battler um, and go out there and wrestle. And, you know, 
I mean, they had a lot of ten. Every guy's gonna go out there and wrestle. So I went out there and wrestled. And um, you know, it, it went on the whole time, and I went out there and wrestled. Uh, whatever happened, happened. Everybody knows the results. And then it, the same thing was going on when I got back, and I had world championships coming up for uh, military. And um, you know, I was still feeling like crap. It was the same thing going on. I, I couldn't get that appointment yet till later on. And so I was like, you know what? This is the last big competition. I'm gonna go out there and do the same thing. Wrestle as hard as I could, do what I can, make the most out of it. Get out there on the map was wrestling hard, and uh, two minutes into the match, I started dying. Everything, my whole body felt heavy. My chest started burning. My stomach started burning. It felt like someone stabbed me in the gut, and I, I couldn't move. You know, I kept, I, as much as I wanted to and tried to fight and wrestle and push, I couldn't move anymore. And then eventually, I, you know, I fell down on the mat, I took a knee, and I walked over to the corner during the break, and I was like, just sitting there, coach was like, are you okay? And, you know, they knew something was wrong, and I was like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Just uh, just stall time. Give me a little time to get back on the mat. They stalled time a little bit, went back out there, and could not move at all. My whole body was heavy, and uh, started having problems breathing. And then I just, you know, finished the match, forfeited the match, and finished the tournament, and um, forfeited the tournament, and got back to the U.S. Uh, took a few, a uh, couple months off the mat. And, we, you know, we were just to focus on, on my health and figure out what it, what exactly was going on because I was going through a lot of different tests, a lot of different diets for celiac, gluten-free. And um, they were trying to figure out what's going on. Went to the GI clinic, finally got an appointment. And um, I had a C. diff infection, a bacteria infection in my stomach, in my intestines. And uh, it was it was uh, eating away at my body, and I, it was breaking my body down. And so... Um, you know, I, I took that time off to figure out what was going on and been um, in heavy antibiotics for a long time. And now I've, I've been feeling great now. Um, and uh, it's, I mean, honestly, it feels good back to normal again, feel like myself again. But it was tough. But, I mean, you know, when you endure those tough times and, and you go through it and you come out as a better person, a bigger person in the end. So, you know, being able to compete still and do all that that I was able to do during the time, who knows, you know, what I can do when I'm, when I'm healthy. And so, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'm fortunate and I'm optimistic, you know, heading into the future. I just want to stay healthy now and, uh, get back out there and get down to Madden, you know, have fun. Okay. So in other words, this is not celiac. Whatever the issue was, uh, I, I I don't know what that word is. C diff. Yep. C diff. C diff. Uh, yep. Is that like an acronym, or is that like how it's yeah, spelled? Yeah, it's an acronym for colitis difficile, and um, it's just a, a bacterial infection. Most people get it when they're hospitalized in a hospital, and um, and it's a uh, it's kind of a serious infection. You know, a lot of people in the hospital get it when, when you know, just being in bed and uh, they pick up bacteria and, you know, they, their body can't fight it or whatnot. And, uh, and a lot, of, I mean, you know, some people die from it. And um, I had it for a long time. I, I had it once, you know, from going overseas and eating and drinking water overseas and getting bacteria. And then now um, it came up again, and they say you, when you get it again, uh, it's it's difficult. Um, it's it's harder for your body to fight, and the same antibiotics don't work. Now, I was taking heavy antibiotics initially, the ones that I was taking before that helped me before, and um, this time it wasn't working at all. And um, 
it, I was upset actually because it, it seemed like it was going on for so long, you know, and it, it, it seemed like we couldn't figure out what was going on, you know, and I knew, you know, my coach just sent a lot of positive things and helping me out to keep my mind right and get me ready for Worlds and, you know, keep me training and keep my mind on the, on the prize, keep my eye on the prize. But um, it was it was hard. It was tough uh, wrestling with it and training with it and not knowing. You know, it, it's always difficult, you know, having something and not knowing what's going on. So there's just a lot of things going through my mind, like what the hell's wrong, um, How's this going to affect me when I'm wrestling? You know, I keep getting tired. I really don't want this to affect me going into world championships or whatnot. Um, that's why, I mean, I, I'm I'm just happy and fortunate that, that, that it's over with now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, the when, the last time you and I left off, I I walked away from that conversation like, okay, well, now, now, now he's got celiac disease, so, you know, don't go near him with a loaf of bread. <laughs> a couple of months, he'll be all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, in other words, the problem is gone. Like, you're clear. Yep. So, there's no ongoing thing you have to manage. No, nah, there's no if there's no ongoing thing. There's no, um, no lifetime disease or anything like that, uh, which is really good, you know, um, because, I mean, it'd definitely be tough battling with something that you know you're going to have to rest your life and uh, figuring out ways to, to get around it and cope with it. But, um, yeah, it's gone now. And, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't ever come back, um, being that, that it was the second time that I had it. But, um, yeah, it's completely gone now. And, you know, I'm trying to uh, be more specific in what I eat and be careful, you know, when I'm traveling overseas and drinking water and eating certain food. To, uh, prevent that from happening again. All right. Well, then, next question is very easy. Uh, when are you back out there? Um, Armed Forces will probably be my my next competition. Um, I've been training a lot now. Uh, just got back on the mat, and um, you know, everybody's been focusing on their specifics, what they need to work on, if it's getting their weight down, or if it's focusing on technique or whatnot. Um, this is the time to focus, you know, um, we have a year, um, a little less of a year until the next world championship. So there, there's a lot of downtime and, uh, it wouldn't make sense to burn yourself out, you know, uh, right away. So, um, my training sessions are more specific now and more specified now and, um, and what I need to work on. And, uh, I think that, that kind of helps you out, you know, once you're training a lot and, uh, it gives you more fire and, uh, makes you more eager to get back there on the mat, you know, and, and showcase what you've been working on. And so um, I've just been training and working on, you know, scoring points and working on my attacks now and, uh, until this next year comes up. And then, you know, getting back out, out there on the mat, Armed Forces being my first competition and shaking some things up and having fun. Are you 67? Uh, yes, I will be 67. Um, I've been lifting a lot too, so... I kind of weigh, I've, I've been weighing about 71, 72 kilos, um, but I've been training once a day, so who knows what I'm going to weigh when I'm training twice a day. I, I, I always had a problem with being too small, and uh, the, the the new rules definitely uh, helped out um, with me, you know, being a smaller guy at, at 66, or 67 now. And so um, I, I want to play around at both weight, both weights, because, I mean, I know a bulk of the guys would be at 71, and it's a lot of great competition at 71. 
So um, we're going to see, you know, how the year pans out and what uh, make a unified decision with my coaches on uh, what we uh, exactly decide to do uh, at what competitions and um, see what goes from there. You know, obviously the schedule for 2017-18 is uh, different. There's a big giant gap, obviously, between, um, you know, Schultz, which went down a little over two weeks ago or so, and, um, you know, uh, not counting the armed forces after that is uh, the uh, Bill Farrell Memorial. Um, Do you like a lot of space? Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of training is good. Um, you know, a lot of competition is good as well. But uh, for me, um, when I have that that space, it's a lot of time to to improve, and it gives you more. It's more of a build up when you actually get into the competitions, back to back competitions. You know, sometimes I mean, it depends on the individual. You know, some people like that. Some people get burned out quick from it. You know, but um, for me, I personally like you know having that space and being out, going out, go out there, showcase every all the work that I put in. And um, I think a big thing, too, is uh, getting a lot of international training in uh, this year. So um, for this next year, this next season coming up, I, I want to get as much international training as I can because, um, you know, you get caught up. When you get caught up tra- training and competing in the U.S. all the time, you get caught up wrestling, you know, the same way you train and compete. And like you said before, you know, it's more of a, a brawl style, a dog fight all the time in the U.S. You know, it's a lot of pushing, pulling, snapping, banging, slapping. And, um, you know, if I, if I, if I get overseas, you know, more, more often, you know, I'll get used to, you know, putting myself in uh, uncomfortable positions and put myself into different, you know, wrestling style. Um, you know, the one that. I was overseas a lot this year and try to pick up from there. Well, actually, early February, early February is uh, Serbia. Serbia is coming over for uh, a dual meet in uh, Boise, Idaho. Have you been made aware of this? Yes, uh, we're actually, uh, that's on our list, uh, to be going out to Boise, Idaho, to be training with those guys in Yvonne. So, um I'm not sure exactly. My 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 uh, schedule's not fully planned out right now because there's a bunch of things on the list with Serbia. I'm going to Idaho uh, this month at the end of this month to train, and then we want to go back there in February to train with those guys. And for me, particularly, I want to wrestle Nemesis again. But um, <laughs> I think that uh, he's on the list. I bunch- saw it. Yeah, he. De- I definitely want to wrestle him again. And there's a bunch of different things on the schedule. So, I mean, there's also Cuba in February um, right. before the armed forces. And then um, Japan, you know, we're supposed to be going to Japan again, some training in. So, I mean, whatever the coaches uh, is, uh, you know, fit for for me or is better su- suited for me, um, we're going to go ahead and make a unified decision on that. But, um, you know, either way it goes, I think uh, all those all those are big opportunities um, to, to improve and, you know, better at wrestling all right well why don't we close off with some off-topic stuff you into that love it love it okay true or false the world would be better without social media Mm, true 
more true than false, I think. Um, uh, you know, there's some there's some positives uh, in everything, you know, that goes on. There's also some negatives. But personally, I just, I think social media is just, <laughs> oh, man. It, it's I'm a laughing big, already. It's a, <laughs> It's a big platform for for everybody to compare themselves to other people, you know, and and um, live a uh, I don't want to say a fake life, but you know, um, a cyber personality. You know, everybody's different in person and what they actually are. You know, I mean, people are different at work than they are at home. You know, I mean, but people probably on social media more than they are at than they are at work or they look forward more to being on social media than they do to being at work most of the time. But, um, you know, it, it kind of changes you and shapes you as a person. And, um, cause you look forward to getting these likes, you look forward to getting this attention and getting these comments from all these people over, over different things, you know? And then, you know, you fall into seeing things you don't like and, and debating about it and arguing about it. And, you know, it, it's just, it's a lot of nonsense that's involved with it. And, um, I mean, there's some good things that come out of it, you know, but I mean, there's some fun you can have with it, but I just think that, uh, it takes a lot away from a lot of people and, um, it's a big distraction. To, no, it's to, a big distraction. Realize. I mean, we're at a point now where, you know, parents are in the living room or out to dinner or at the dinner table and they're looking at devices and not paying attention to their kids. Right. And I, and I don't, I, I'm not, I don't want to play devil's advocate, you know, I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm better than anybody or, or that I'm not on social media at all whatsoever, but, you know, everybody falls, um, you know, guilty to the same things. And, um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm guilty of, you know, doing the same thing too. I just think that, I mean, I, I personally, I just think it's a distraction, you know, as, as hard and as and addicting as it is, you know, it's just tough to deal with, you know, sometimes. And um, it's just, oh, man, it's just a whole nother world, you know, dealing with dealing with social media. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I have my opinion. I mean, my opinion is if they're looking at or sharing five-point stuff, I'm completely on board with it. Um, but if it's, if it's like we're going to go on Facebook and, you know, Post a bunch of pictures that are like contrived pictures too, not even like candid natural shots. It's like people who take pictures just for that purpose. Like there's just something about it that just comes off bad to me. <laughs> I just can't help exactly. it. You know, just kind of yep. like, like I get it. Like I get it. Yeah, I mean, like I'm like you. Like I'm not judging. I I understand. I I understand the culture. I understand the era in society we live in. I'm not trying to resist it. It's just. We might have, we may have crossed the line somewhere. That's all. Definitely. Well, then what about this? Slightly more serious, obviously. Um, well, I mean, it's obvious to me. That, anyway, I don't know if it's obvious to you. But uh, you are a two-time junior world medalist, which means that you've stepped on a world podium twice Uh with the flag in the background um you are a soldier athlete the united states army you are also an african-american where do you stand on the national anthem protests 
that um I mean that issue is more I, I, I kinda take that more to heart than um than than on a professional level. I, I think that uh you know, if you're in the military, you know, there's definitely some, some disrespect in there, um or a lot of disrespect in there and uh I think that military people, you know, they I mean they can stand their ground with, you know, however they feel about that. And um, you know, it goes on both sides though, you know. It's, it's, it, it, you can perceive it as disrespect to the military and, and regardless of, of what's going on, I know that, you know, when I, I'm going to, you know, I'm a salute when I, when I have to salute, when I'm in my uniform or when I'm not in uniform and I'm listening to the national anthem, I'll be at attention, you know, I'm being professional and I'm, and I'm representing my country the right way. But outside of that, I just think that, uh, there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed before that. You know, I, I see a lot of people, uh, Count, taking it as disrespect that I don't have anything to do with the military and a lot of people um, jumping right into to, to getting angry about it and and um, you know then then trying to be empathetic with the situation beforehand and um, there are people uh, like uh, it it's I mean they they, they say the reason for for them uh, taking the knee during national anthem was to fight police brutality and justice in the U.S., you know, and um, and a lot of people talk about how much money they get paid and this and that and why are they doing this and how disrespectful or whatnot, but, like, you can't be, you can't really be empathetic of of, of a different culture that, that, that you're not, you know. You can't put yourself in a situation of, of being an African-American if you're not an African-American, you know, if you don't deal with the things that, some people deal with on a daily basis. Now, how can you be empathetic of it? You know, you can sympathize towards it, you know, or you can have your feelings towards it or your emotions towards it. But at the end of the day, you I mean you're not that person or you're not that that particular group, you know. And um, initially, you know, when people get mad and they say this and that, you know, I don't have any problem with it at all. But when when they get mad and I, I kind of want to speak up and say something, you know, and I have a few times, but like. I mean, why are you getting mad about it? You know, personally, you know, like when they keep saying these people need to be, they need to get in trouble. These people need to be fired and these people have no respect or whatnot. But when you say these people, who are you talking about? I mean, we all know that it's African-American players that have taken a knee, you know? I mean, there's no, you know, there's, it's not shady. There's no lie in that at all. Uh, everybody knows who's taking a knee. So you can't just generalize and say these people, you know who you're talking about, right? And, um, you know what their reasonings are, and everybody wants to hide that that their reasonings and hide that fact, you know, and, and put it put a big uh, you know big star on um, on their on their feelings and their emotion of what's actually going on. And I just think it's wrong, you know. And there are other players that are taking these now, you know, after Trump said that about the players, you know, fire these son of bitches or whatnot, and they should be fired or whatnot. And um, before beforehand, before that, it was mostly African Americans, and um, you know that it's a pe. I mean, they're protesting, you know. And like I said, it 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 works on both sides, you know. Like there are soldiers and, and military people who fought for these rights, you know, who fought for these freedoms, fought for their ability to be able to do that, to peacefully protest, you know, to go against something that they don't agree with, you know. So. I mean, you can't you can't really. I mean, on, on the backside of that, you can't really complain and 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 say that they're completely being disrespectful because it goes on both sides. And um, I think that uh, it's a sore subject, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation. And um, I was reading an article, you know, the other day about like, 
Black Panthers and all these other things. And I was just trying to get down to the roots of, of everything and, you know, every everybody's initial reasoning for pro or whatnot, you know. And I already came across an article about colorblindness. You know, in America, it's a big melt, the melting pot of the world. You know, there are a lot of people from different cultures and different um, ethnicities, different backgrounds that live in the U.S. And, you know, when you say you're American, you know, they mean like, one, you know, as a country, you know, and, um, but I mean, but you can't take away the fact that, that we also have different cultures, you know, because the whole idea of America, the whole concept of America, being American is being able to live free, being able to have liberty, being able to have your, your, your own religion, being able to, you know, to practice whatever religion you want, you know, be able to share your culture and live the culture that you live, you know, and being able to, to live the life that you want to live, regardless of, of what's out there because i mean that's the that's what whole, that's the whole basis of america that's what this country was built upon and um with that article about colorblindness it was just saying how people they want to go to you know they want to treat everybody the same and say that everything should be fair right off the bat you know like why don't we just do this we're going to treat everybody the same and be fair but it, you're taking away the concept of of culture and 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 what people have been through you know so you kind of have to empathize for the different cultures and different different backgrounds that people come through, you know, because there's no such thing as fair. There's no such thing as justice right off the bat because there's other things that, that need to be reconciled, you know, from, from the past. And um, I think that uh, a lot of people think, I mean, a lot of people think that, I mean, that, um, that it's not truly fair. It's not a hundred percent fair. They don't see a hundred percent fair, you know, in the U S and, um, and they, they want to argue that. They feel they want to argue that, debate that, protest that, and battle that. You know, they have the right to do that. And um, just as anybody else has the right to, to, to battle or debate or protest whatever they want, you know. And I think that, uh, you know, fairness is, it's going to come a long way. It's hard, to, it's hard to find fairness. It's hard to find 50-50 in whatever situation, you know, you deem fit for it. And, um I think that uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of issues that need to be addressed uh, before. So, and um, it, it's tough, you know, because there's a there's a big past that 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 you have to fix before before you go jump straight into being fair and treating everybody the same. I mean, come on, I mean, it, you you can see in, in the United States, you know, I mean, majority of the politicians, majority of the the, the better jobs are outside of African Americans having, I mean. The, the best suit jobs and best fit jobs and where they make the most money are athletics, right? You know, but when you go on a, a political scale and you go on a ed, more educational scale, you don't, I mean, the, the numbers are there, the statistics are there, you know? And, um, you know, if we're not filling these positions or whatnot, and how are we going to help other people, you know, to get to get to that, get to where we are or get to, to better themselves, you know? And um, it's kind of, it, it's a lot of people have bias, um, standpoints and perspectives of it, so it's one of those ongoing subjects that that you know everybody has their opinion on it. That no one be able to see eye to eye on, it no one be able to empathize for it. And um, I think that uh, you know it's going to be a long, 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 hard battle and long, hard debate um, to go on. But I, I personally feel whatever protest, I mean, they came up with, you know, that they come up with. I mean, people are going to point fingers and people are going to still, you know disrespected by you know because there are a lot of different things that people have done in the past you know african-americans have done in the past that that people have felt was disrespectful you know so i mean what, at, at what point can you can you call can you 
say it's respectful, you know, when, when they're not fighting, when they're not shooting, when they're not vandalizing people or killing people. No, but I mean, that that's a respectful and peaceful protest. I mean, they're, they're not harming anybody. There's no harm done to anybody at all. So, I mean, I don't see what the issue is and why people want to want to you know highlight this this issue and make it make it more than what it is and um i had an argument a debate with somebody about it honest before and they were talking about how martin luther king said you know people shouldn't be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character and you know how he would be angry or whatnot and about this situation about what's going on you know how these people don't have character how, how this is disrespectful you know where's the character in that and what they're doing you know but I see it the other way. I think Martin Luther King will be, will be, uh, you know, he'll be happy. You know, um, he'll be applauding on the on the opposite side because these people aren't fighting, these people aren't shooting, these people aren't doing anything bad. You know, they they found uh, a way to make a big, a big, big, big point. They found a way to make to make a big impact where people can see and people, everybody's gonna see and everybody's gonna know. You know how they feel without being violent about it, and um, and it's about. I mean, it stems down to to racial equality. It stems down to to racism. I personally think so, and um, I, I mean it, that that's what they said: police brutality. I mean, against African Americans, and um, clearly because it's majority African American uh, athletes that are kneeling. And I mean, if they deem that, if they think that that's you know that's the way they want to go about doing it, then it, I mean, I support. I'm obviously going to support my people. I support that. And because um, I, I totally don't see any, I mean, if they're not being violent and they're not, not not harming people and they're not, you know, doing anything wrong, then, I, you know, I, I see it fit. I see it that, that it's a good reason behind it and they're making a, a big impact, you know. Oh, no, I mean, I absolutely agree 110 uh, percent. The only the only way I really kind of look at this whole uh you know, I think. I mean, by now, I think it's starting to die down a little bit. Like, I, I don't think. I don't think there's as much. Uh, I don't think there's as many hot takes and you know outrageous comments as there was, let's say, a month ago. Um, but no, I mean, it's absolutely true. It's a, a, a not all white people. Um, not that I. <laughs> not that I represent all white people. <laughs> but yeah, for sure, I, I absolutely think that uh, it's a racial issue. Uh, for uh, uh, certainly a percentage, um, using this as kind of a mask uh, to go ahead and complain about what African Americans are doing. You know, they're using the the flag. I think, like, oh, they're being, you know, they're being disrespectful. They're being. Re- I mean, you said these people, so I mean, you threw that right out there like a brick through a window, but like. Uh, I don't know. The only problem I have anymore is that it has become kind of a bully pulpit for people to come out of the woodwork to espouse a wide range of ludicrous ideas. You know, um, if if it wasn't as high profile if it wasn't the NFL and it was something else, I don't know what else it could be, but just something else, I think it gets received differently. But no, like it's football. No, football belongs to the country. Football belongs to us. We have the 
you know, the whole ceremony before. I think it just got completely blown out of proportion last year with Colin Kaepernick. Um, I think that's when the fake outrage started. I think the everyday citizen uh, probably, like you say, uh, empathizes, if not identifies with the plight of the African-American community in this country pertaining to whether that's police brutality or other instances of uh, unequal treatment. It's just a, you know, just like everything, you know, all it takes is a couple of bad apples to spoil a bunch. I think that's pretty much what this has been. Just extrapolate that a little bit more because of uh, social media, like we were talking about. I agree. A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. Well, let's hit another one. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I wanted to do this with you. <laughs> so, so I want to hit another one. Um, how, I mean, you have one child, a daughter, you have another one coming up. Um, yeah, yeah, I have one daughter and one on the way. Okay. So, you know, I have two young children. Do you think this is, do you think we see, like, any kind of breakthroughs culturally uh, over the next generation? Or do you think you and I are both dead by the time that happens? No, I, I totally think so. Um, no, wait, is that optimistic, Ellis, talking, or do you really think so? A little bit of both. Uh, well, I, I think so because, um, you know, there are a lot of more, I mean, America is getting more diverse. You know, there are a lot of more people, um, you know, that are mixed, you know, that, that have, you know, parents from different cultures and different ethnicities and different backgrounds. And so um, I think the more you have that, you know, and the, the more it milks together and, um, you know, you're going to get more and more people like that, more and more people like that where they have cultures from both sides, you know, and they're sharing with both sides of the family, you know. And um, it might, you know, it, it starts a chain reaction in the U.S. And it clearly, I, I personally think it, it clearly is, is getting a little bit better. But, I mean, the, the old problems, the past is, is always going to repeat this repeat itself you know and the old problems are always going to come up but now you see you know i mean there there was racism before that's not you know we're segregated before we're not you know you see in a in a uh racial relationships or whatnot and you see all this di di different things going on so I, I think i personally think that it's going to get better um i mean it's kind of hard to think that you know when you have issues like this coming up all the time but i mean when you look at the big picture um I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of people from, um, you know, different backgrounds that are sharing a lot of things that are helping each other out more. And I think that uh, a mili the military is a big, you know, platform where you get people from different places and everybody learns about each other. Yeah, that's a big advantage. And, that's a big advantage. And they learn, how, they learn how to accept people. And I think that uh, team environments, you know, you've seen it Remember the Titans before, you know, I think when you have a bunch of people battling for the same thing, sharing the same emotions and same common goals and um and they when they share that you know and and they and they and they they fall together you know and they and they come back up they rise together and they do all these things together and they and um you know they feel each other's pain or whatnot you know they learn more about each each other as as people and as individuals than they do and they can put the culture aside and they can put everything else aside and uh that's why team environments and and big um environments where you have people um coming in you know from different places and different backgrounds, sharing a common goal 
you know, you get you get a lot of diversity in there and um you get a lot of love in there. And I think that uh, you know, that's America, you know, that that's what America's gonna come to be and um that's what you know, that's what at least the people the people before, you know, initial uh politicians hoped and and wished for, you know, with with the laws that were put put down for for the United States. But um you know, I think that it's definitely going to get better, and I I got a, a different perspective on that because you know my wife is from Cuba, and when I when you go to Cuba, you see a lot of dark people, you see a lot of you know what I mean like African people of African descent, and then you have people from of Spanish descent, a lot of uh, white people, and then you have a lot of mulattoes, um, you know people who are you know from both, you know I have family members, mothers African descent, fathers uh, straight Spanish, you know. And going over there and seeing that and seeing how diverse it is there, you know, and, um, you know, it's tough because it's a communistic country and they're very, very poor. But out when you when you get outside of the, the fact that they're very, very poor and you see that all these people, you know, they live in these shitty situations in this horrible environment together. So they have to learn how to, every single person has to learn how to help each other out, you know, so they can be able to live. You know, it's not about. um being able to get better, being able to get higher than the next person. It's about being able to, being able to live. They, these people are going through some tough things just to be able to live. And you see how diverse it is there. And it's crazy. Like every time I go there and, and I see it, I'm, it's just, it's astonishing just seeing it, you know? And, um, I'm, I mean, it's tough because, you know, um, we have a lot of rights. We have a lot of freedom in America, you know, and a lot of people want to think what they want to think, believe what they want to believe. And, uh, has stubborn, you know, mentalities, but, you know, the more people come together, the, the more, the better that, the better America gets. No, I think that's beautifully said. Well, this was, uh, I mean, overall, uh, a very fun episode, but <laughs> we, we really like ran the spectrum and it was, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> I always love talking with you. I could talk all day about anything. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. We we have a rapport. What can what can what can I say? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh Alice, you're you're not um you're not a Twitter user so much. I mean I, I know you have one, but you you it's really Instagram uh most of all, where you're all bother to do anything. Is that not right? That is true. Okay, well, the Instagram username is probably uh, very familiar to many of our listeners. That is Duff Lion Squirrel. Uh, is Twitter the same? Twitter, yep, the same, the Flying Squirrel. Do you have an athlete page on Facebook, or do you just have a regular, hi, I'm Ellis Coleman, this is what I did today, Facebook? Yeah, I just have the Ellis Coleman Facebook page, and I had uh, <laughs> I have one page that I, it doesn't have any followers um, that I made a long time ago. It's kind of <laughs> random. It's kind of random, actually. Um, it's called E-Code. I made it a long time ago when I was in college. It was, uh, was going to go forward uh, and shoot off and <laughs> Outside of that, I mean, I don't use it at all whatsoever. I might go back and look at a couple of videos that I made on, but <laughs> that's about it. All right, well, follow Ellis Coleman on Instagram and Twitter at the Flying Squirrel. That is D A Flying Squirrel. Um, you know, because he's cute. Uh, 
It's a little play on words. Um, (laughs) And obviously follow Five Point Move on Twitter at the number 5PT Move. And that's it. That's it for Episode 10. Ellis, thank you again. And we really look forward to seeing you compete come 2018. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it, man. I really, really, really look forward to competing, man. And thank you for all you do for, um, you know, for Gregor and the wrestling. Uh, I don't think you get enough um, applause and enough claps and enough thanks for it. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure people have told you already and thank you enough, but uh, I think you deserve way way more, well more than, than you actually get. But, um, you know, it's hard being a, a Greco athlete in the U.S. already, you know, looking at the results and everything that goes on, you know and keeping the program around, but you doing it, what you do, you know, and just taking your own time and before, you know, and not doing anything for any pension, any salary, any money, and looking out for all of us athletes, you know, in the brotherhood of Greco-Roman wrestling, uh, you know, I think I speak for everybody when I say thanks a lot, and I, we really appreciate everything you do for us. Really uh, do. It's uh, extraordinarily humbling, but uh, certainly not call for if it wasn't for men like you, uh, you know, five points certainly wouldn't be uh, certainly wouldn't be able to do what it does. So uh, the uh, feeling is absolutely mutual. Um, and once again, it was a absolutely a privilege, pre- pleasure, and honor, Alice. Thank you. Thank you. Part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.